We've all heard it before. It's who you know. Welcome to Social Capital, a weekly podcast that dives into social relationships and why the investment you put into them is so important. Your host, Lori Hybe, will connect with industry-leading professionals and dive into their networking experiences and expert advice. Hey everybody, Lori Hybe here. Welcome to the Social Capital Podcast. Our show notes are found at socialcapitalpodcast.com. To you, the listener, I want you to know that I appreciate you and I'm thrilled to have you here for another episode. If there is ever anything that I can do to support you, please reach out. That being said, the best way that you can connect with me is on LinkedIn. That's just search for Lori Hybe. You can simply click the follow button as I post daily information about marketing strategy, tips, all podcast episodes, and upcoming events. If you'd like to connect, make sure to send a note with your connection request that references Social Capital. I can't wait to hear from you. Social Capital Podcast is sponsored by Keystone Click, a strategic digital marketing agency that believes in order to successfully market to your ideal customer, you have to first understand that customer. Learn more at keystoneclick.com. Today's guest is Carly Cunningham. Business growth accelerator and brand strategist Carly Cunningham takes businesses from overcrowded competitive spaces into blue ocean territory where they can confidently stand out and thrive as brand leaders in their sector. Her international client base benefits from accelerated growth, profit, and stability as her innovative Surefire method provides them with a Surefire strategy and toolkit that enables them to charge a premium, attractive ideal, attract ideal clients, and outpace their competitors. Carly, welcome to the show. Thank you, Lori. It's a pleasure to be here. I always love being in conversation with marketers because I feel like we're two peas in a pod or a yin and a yang. So I'm excited for today's conversation. Oh, me too. I love having other people in my world on this show. <laughs> It's hard to keep it to that 30 minute uh, target time when I've got uh, other marketers on the show. I'll, uh, I'll set my Garmin. <laughs> All right, let's dig in. Carly, what is the strategy before the strategy and how has it helped motivate business, motivated business owners accelerate their growth and success? One of the questions we get a lot from business owners and leaders or say the management team at the top is how do we align everyone and everything? And what they're essentially asking us is when they're delivering, when anybody is come into a touch point with their company, how are we ensuring that people are acting in alignment and they're making the right decisions that's delivering the right customer experience, or it could be a supplier experience. How are we strengthening those, strengthening those relationships and building our reputation with every touch point? And so the strategy before the strategy is a piece that we recognized about three years ago that was saying, well, how are we guiding everyone? And, and to simplify, sometimes when I say strategy, I know people's perception, their brain goes, oh no, this gets complicated. And this is what I tell people, think about strategy as the overarching how. It's just the how we go about doing everything. Mm -hmm. And so business owners and leaders are often feeling like they're walking around all the time telling people, okay, don't forget that this is our purpose for existing. And don't forget that this is who we are and this is how we need to show up. And if we look at the higher levels in management, each manager is in charge of the strategy for their department. So when you've got marketing 
doing one strategy and HR doing another strategy. And I know for you in digital marketing, that's probably your worst nightmare because all of a sudden you've got <laughs> two brand things going on. Yep. Yep. Right. So we looked at, okay, how can we give them a simple strategy to align everyone and everything? And it's a simple set of questions. If you can empower your team with these questions, anybody at every level, then they'll start thinking about making purposeful and, and aligned decisions. And it's simply this. If they're going to make a decision, consider or take an opportunity, make an innovation or take an action, they need to ask themselves, will, be, will we be acting in alignment and living our organizational purpose if we do this thing? If we do this thing, will we be acting in alignment and living our values or guiding principles? Will we be acting in alignment with our brand character and making people feel the way we want them to feel? And ultimately, if we're making this decision, is it going to move us closer to achieving our short midterm goals and our, and our vision? I love that. Definitely makes sense. Those are Thank great you. questions to be considering as far as, are we on the right track or the wrong track? We're yeah. on the right track. <laughs> we sure are. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, what is the thing that you found most businesses are missing that prevents them from filling their pipeline and closing, closing the deals, bringing in new customers. This was shocking to me when I went back and looked at our past client list. Cause I like data and I'm sure you like data. Mm -hmm. And I realized that 98% of the businesses that come to us to help them build their brands, help them get core clear communication is they don't have a clear understanding of who their target audience profiles are, mm -hmm. who their target audiences are. And I'm not just talking about clients. There's also some misses in there as well. But when I say people will come to us with a persona, a slight description, but we need to go really deep, understanding the problems that we solve for ideal clients, understanding their mindset and what they believe and what their worldview is. And often the other misses are, yeah, we all have clients, but we all have strategic partners and we all have suppliers. And so because brand is holistic and it's your reputation, we need to ensure that we know what all of them want and need from us. And so the thing they're missing is deep and clear profiles so that everybody knows how to speak with the people they're talking to. Yes, you are speaking my language right now. And this is something that I spend a lot of time with our customers and our clients with. And just in my general education, and messaging overall is if you're trying to be everything to everybody, you're going to end up being nothing to nobody. <laughs> mm -hmm. You have to get very, right. very clear and super laser focused on who it is that you're trying to capture the attention of. Because once you get that clarity, it's so easy to, well, I shouldn't say it's so easy. It makes it a lot easier to craft the message that's going to resonate with that specific individual audience group, whatever. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think the other thing is companies will often go to let's define what we do, especially if they're making a pivot or a shift mm -hmm. before getting clear on, okay, if we're going to make this pivot or shift in our, in our business, because I know a lot of us have been doing that over the last two years, thanks mm -hmm. to pandemic, but if we're going to make this shift, do we need to consider a new audience? 
Do we need to go back and revisit? Are we still serving the same clients? Have they changed? Has their worldview changed? Have their problems changed? So we can't really define what it is that we do or what business shift we should be making before we understand what problems we're solving. Yep. Yep. I agree hundred percent with that. It's um, focusing on the problem and the audience are the, the two most important things that I preach that I, and I would agree with you hundred percent are the biggest areas that a lot of businesses uh, forget to put any attention on <laughs> at, at the end of the day. I mean, it's um, a lot, I, I hear a lot of people preaching the features as opposed to how is this solving my problem? Mm-hmm. Features and benefits. I came up through this in this industry in um, software and tech. Um, I was working with RIM before anybody ever knew what a BlackBerry was. Now I'm really <laughs> dating myself, but um, yeah. And that's all we used to put on the, you know, we used to mock up. I don't know if you remember those days or where you're at, but we used to mock up the, the, the software box when, I mean, mm-hmm. the software was like a CD-ROM. Oh, I, I know drive. what you're talking about. <laughs> and, and, but they were, we were always listing the benefits and the features. Yep. It's like, no, tell me what this is going to help me achieve. What's the yep. ROI? What is the emotional value gain that I am going to get as your customer? Tell me that. People yep. shop on price, they buy on value. Tell yep. me the value. A hundred percent. So what's a paradigm shift about brand that can help businesses outpace their competition and even become a brand leader in their industry or their space? Ooh, this is one of my favorite ones, especially when I got a marketing uh, folks, mm-hmm. uh, marketing, sorry, marketing host. Here we go. Mm-hmm. Tangling up my words here, especially when I'm on with a marketing host is it's interesting when I say I'm a strategist and branding expert, people will go, oh, so you're in marketing. And I'm like, well, yes and no. If that's what helps them understand the context of the work that I do, sure, um, great, and gets me in conversation, that's fantastic. But ultimately, I believe the branding has, has become of marketing and it's split off. So it's kind of been you know, developed by really smart marketing people back in the Mad Men ad agency days, they were putting personas around products. And so often brand is thought about products and the way big companies, Coca-Cola, Pepsi, you know, insert big Johnson and Johnson is they talk about their brands. What is, you know, Kleenex is the name for tissues, right? Mm -hmm. So we're talking about big brands, but when it comes to small to mid-sized businesses, if we're talking anywhere from, you know, micro, uh, micro business run by entrepreneurs all the way up to, I would say, 25, even 30 million, we're talking now about often companies. What is the brand of your company? And so we're no longer branding products, we're branding people. And so I know I've gone off on a bit of a a road here, but let's tie it back to branding is no longer just a marketing action. If you're branding the products, great. It's a marketing action. It's a marketing tactic, but branding a company. And when you're talking about people, it no longer serves us to have the marketing person tell everybody else in the company who we're going to be and how we're going to be because no business leader who is driving their company forward really wants to be told who they are and what they're going to do. So brand moves up. So the paradigm shift is think about branding as a strategic activity and think about your brand as your reputation times your exposure. Mm-hmm. So that if you're leading by example, if you're demonstrating your values, if you're clear on your value proposition, if you're clear on your purpose for existing beyond making money, 
and you're constantly exposing your people to this. It's almost like putting a watercolor in the center of the company. If we imagine the divisions all surrounding them and you, the more you execute on those actions and share that wisdom of the company, this is who we are. This is how we operate. This is our way of being and doing because we want people to say this about us. The more action you take, the watercolor starts to spread out and people lead by example. So Branding, as much as marketing, can be responsible for building the brand to your audiences and to your existing clients. Imagine if everybody in the company was in alignment and talking about the company in the same way and acting in the same way. And that watercolor just, that color just bleeds out into everybody it touches. So the paradigm shift is take brand and branding activities and put them in the leadership house and lead by example. Yeah, I love that. I think it's the brand... Um... It should touch everyone and every department and um, not even just within the organization, but it should have an, it does have an impact on those that are engaging with the brand, whether they're paying money and buying a product or a service, or they're just hearing and listening about it. it should be something that resonates and should carry through that everyone is on the same page as for as what does that brand mean and what are the values and, and everything associated with that. I love that. Very cool. All right, Carly, this is a good time to pause to hear a quick message from our sponsor. Social Capital is sponsored by Keystone Click. Located in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, Keystone Click is a strategic digital marketing agency focused on helping their clients generate and nurture opportunities online. For Social Capital listeners, they've created an awesome Guide to Profits booklet featuring 42 tips on how to build brand awareness, generate leads, and nurture those opportunities online. Visit keystoneclick.com backslash profits to download your own guide today. All right, we've been talking a lot about brands and people and you kind of little had a little dangle with regards to personal branding a little bit, um, which is what networking is. It's, it's really who you are as an individual, you know, and what you stand for and what your values are. Um, but that's, that's how you build relationships in the space of, of networking. Um, a lot of people hear this word networking and it's invoking some fear, hesitation, uncertainty, and I'm hoping to really remove some of that. So Carly, can you share with the listeners today, your most successful or favorite networking experience that you've had? This is absolutely one of my favorite topics. Um, I'm a raging extrovert, so I can't wait to, I know the U S has been open for a while, so I can't, we're in Canada and we're all a little more hesitant, you know, we're all a little more conservative, uh, than all y'all down there, but I cannot wait to get back in person, um, and meeting with folks. And I know some people are just like, no, no, I want to stay in my cocoon. So hopefully what I'm going to share is going to resonate with some of our introvert friends as well. Um, but my favorite ne favorite networking experience was one that I had really early on um, as I was building my first business. I'd moved across Canada. I'd have, I was working freelance and I thought, I'm going to stay here. I'm going to set down roots. I'm going to build a business. And so learning to network was key and critical to, because I didn't know a lot of folks out here. I knew the folks that I mountain biked with and some of their friends, but I was like, wow, okay, now how do I connect with people in the business world? And the event I went to was, and it was a learn to network event. There was one really amazing piece of gold that the presenter taught us. And it was this, it's treat every business card like you would a hundred dollar bill. Mm. And how I turn that lesson into success still helps my current business almost 20 years later. 
And so I'll tell you a little bit that I'll follow the line of the story. So at one event, post that event, I, and I started keeping all the business cards that I had and also marking them as to which people I wanted to stay in contact. I met this, uh, a gentleman named Ray Williams and I kept his card and he was really impressive. And I just, I really valued how he interacted with people at networking events. He was warm. He was welcoming. He was always asking, how can I help you? And it turns out that he became my business coach. And so the value just from that was he helped me grow, overcome my self-limiting beliefs. But one of the other things that he did and still does, we're just serving a client he referred to us to, uh, about a month ago, just started working with them, is that he has referred me business ever since. And so I did some quick calculations for this interview, knowing this question was coming. And in the, say, 15 years that he's been sending us referrals, I would say that he's sent us over $120,000 in business, but that's not it. There's a compound piece of this. One of the clients he referred us to has become a close strategic partner. Um, they've become our wealth advisor, and they are also one of our top referring partners, and they've sent over $130,000 in business our way. So if you calculate that hanging on to that one $100 card, it's turned into over a quarter of a million dollars for the businesses that I've run. Oh, I love that. I love that you broke it down that granular to get to the ROI of the business card. Oh, that's fascinating. What a great story. That is, and I, I've never heard that concept too of treat every business card you receive like it's a hundred dollar bill. That's a really interesting way to, to look at that. Um, but also what's interesting um, with the world of COVID is, you know, do we have business cards anymore? Is it necessary? I mean, it's easy to connect with people on LinkedIn, get emails, you know, texting, whatever, Slack. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I still find some value in it because there's always those um, situations that it makes sense to, to still have the business card. Well, and I think we can convert it over to who are the, the treating the people in your CRM. You know, mm-hmm. not, I, yeah. I don't want to put a value on people's heads, but sure. how, how can you look at the value of, of those folks that are in our CRMs? If you don't have a CRM, the people that you're connecting on LinkedIn and making good choices of who is in that network, because it actually does max out. I didn't realize this until a few weeks ago when I tried to reach out to a, a very um, high profile person and there it said, you know, cannot connect. They've already maxed out their connections, but you can follow, but knowing where you keep that list or that where you connect with community, whether it be Facebook, whether it be LinkedIn, whether it be Instagram and being able to move them over into a, who are the people I want to stay in contact with? Yep. I, I love that. Um, talking about staying in contact with people. So how do you stay in front of and best nurture your network or community? So I'm a bit of a nerd. And like I said, I like data. And um, so I developed myself um, a system based on tiny marketing actions. Um, And it's funny because everybody always says to me when they see how I track it, I track it in a day planner. It's a physical one. It's quite big. And I use tiny little stickers. And so the system is that four days of the week, I take time to execute five tiny tiny marketing actions to keep connected to people in my network. So it could be sending an email and saying, Hey, Christy, how are you? We haven't talked in a while. Is there anything I can help you with? It might be sending Joe. Hey, Joe, I saw this article and I thought of you. It's just creating 
little touch points that are e quick and easy to execute. It might be commenting on people's social media posts, engaging in a direct DM, Twitter. There's lots of different ways to do it, but understanding how the people in your network who are going to nurture your community and support your business, how do they best like to connect and communicate? And so every time I do five, I put a sticker in, in my book and I have a couple other actions. Like one is, um, public exposure. So this would be an example on a podcast interview. And I track those mm -hmm. by month. And it's funny, everybody goes, Carla, you know, there's an app for that. I'm like, well, here's the thing. <laughs> I know what works and motivates me. And one having the physical book on my desk in the morning. So I can't avoid it because for me out of sight, out of mind, but if it's there, I'll make sure I do it. If I don't do it first thing in the morning, I set it to the side of my desk, knowing that it needs to be off my desk before the end of the day. Now, sounds like I'm perfect. I don't always get to it, but that's why I go four days of the five-day week. So I give myself a day off. And um, also the app for that. My mom, pre-going to school, she would give me um, gold stars when I was a kid, pre-kindergarten, for doing things like learning to write my name or doing simple math mm -hmm. or you know mm -hmm. doing educational things. So I will work for a gold star, which is why I use the stickers. I love it. I mean, uh, what works for fun. you, but yeah, it's a system and it's great. And people know that I that I that's how I stay top of mind. That's how I tell them in my community, I'm here to serve you. How can I help? Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's fantastic. What advice would you offer the business professionals looking to grow their network? Oh, grow their network. Okay. Spending time wisely and choosing the right watering holes where the ideal people are that you want to connect with and be hand, hanging out with and where are they investing their time? Go invest your time with them. Show up in the same spaces as them. 100%. It goes back to and under, understanding your target customer a little bit, right? Your yeah, absolutely. And, and there may be some folks who maybe aren't building a business, driving a business. They, they listen to this for the networking tips. They might be in a company at a level where they're like, hey, I don't have to do business development. But think about if the pandemic or future events were to affect your company and you were to get laid off, who's the community around you that's going to help you find a job? Who are the other people? Do you need to be connecting with people in your industry? Maybe you're going to different conferences where you're learning skills or you're upskilling or you're looking to shift industries, knowing who you need to connect with and making intentions to get to those watering holes, which means where those folks hang out mm -hmm. is super smart. Love that. All right. Here's a fun one. If you could go back to your 20 year old self. What would you tell yourself to do more of, less of, or differently with regards to your professional career? If I think about when I was first building the business, it would be follow up, follow up, follow up. And what I mean by that is, you know, we talked about the five tiny marketing actions. I didn't start doing that until about five years ago, but the following up is, someone hands you their business card or they use the LinkedIn connection app or they reach out to you on LinkedIn. Don't just connect with them by hitting click, really connect with them, start a dialogue with them and um, then continue to, to follow up with them from a sales perspective. Um, and you might know the stats more than I do, but I last I remembered when people to remember anything, it takes seven touches to make a sale these days, it used to, I know the number used to be seven and you might know from digital marketing, like how many times you have to touch someone before they will consider 
you or remember you or purchase from you, depending upon what you're selling. So people are busy, Mm -hmm. continue to touch them in ways that create value. And here's the other thing I've had people say to me, even when I'm like, is this one too many emails? Is this one too many check-ins? Is this one too many, you know, leaving a voice message to say, Hey, I'm just checking in on that proposal we delivered. Let me know how it's going. Do we need to change it? Often they will say to me, thank you so much for following up because I was so busy and I had my head down and I, you were on my list, but you just did the work for me. And yep. here we are, Yep. you know? Yeah. Um, I don't have any like recent data. I mean, seven is still the number, the minimum is seven. I would say, you know, you have to have at least the minimum of seven touches and they have to be unique touches. It's not seven emails, mm-hmm. you know, and then the more yeah. diversified in the medium of the touch, a phone call versus a direct mail, you know, versus a, an email or, or a in-person, um, the better the chance of the conversion happening, mm-hmm. whatever that may be. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, Carly, I'm going to give you the opportunity to interview me. What's something you'd like to ask me? Ooh. Okay, let's go back to the one thing that I found that was missing when clients come to us. What do you find is the one thing that clients are missing when they come to you or the one thing that could be super helpful when they came when they came to you for help with their digital marketing? Oh, picking just one. <laughs> uh, um, you know, I would I would say I would resonate with the audience a lot, actually, Um, getting really clear on who it is you want to be servicing. We actually spend a lot of time. um, I mean, you even probably heard in the uh, in the intro about, you know, Keystone Click is that we very much believe that you have to understand your your customer in order to properly Mm -hmm. market to them. Um, So we spend a lot of time doing research in that, but not only the. understanding the customer, but just the overall message that needs to be communicated to them is there's a big hole in that. Um, A lot of companies, especially when we work in the industrial manufacturing space, they um, are doing things really backwards in regards to their positioning themselves and their messaging is all just look at me, look at how cool we are, look at the neat Mm. things that we do, as opposed to saying we've solved this super amazing problem for this company. This is how we did it. If you have a similar problem, maybe we should have a conversation. So it's Mm -hmm. really changing that perspective from I'm awesome. You should come hang out with me to here's a lot of really interesting information that you may benefit from. And then kind of, you know, pull them in if they're interested to want to keep learning more. So that's Uh, that's just the big thing that I see a lot of companies struggle with because for some reason um, the emphasis is always, you know, we're, we're bigger and we're better and we're faster than everyone else, (laughs) (laughs) but that's a consumer marketing is positioned that way, but not B2B. It's so true. B2B is so different. And the other thing is one, I hear people say all the time, I don't like sales, but we've been conditioned to sell. Yep. And so I say, okay, what would happen if you were just simply to be there of service? 
to, to be there to help the people in your community and be of service. And in being of service and understanding your client, client problems, if they came to your site and saw a case study that they could identify themselves in and go, oh, wow, that's us they can help us, then you're being of service. Or if someone shares that they have a problem with you, you can send them a case study that says, this is how we were a service and here's the impact and results we were able to make. That's yeah. where you wanna talk about you is what's what's the ROI we deliver? I don't care what you sell. I need to know you're gonna solve my problem. Yeah, it, it, that's, I would say it's understanding the customer. And then I, like we've talked about heavily, um, but really speaking to what their pain is as opposed mm-hmm. to, no one's searching really for the solution. I mean, unless mm-hmm. they, they, but they will always start with the pain. You know, I broke mm-hmm. this. How do I fix it? Or whatever yeah. the challenge is. They're not, they're not going directly to, you know, this is the part I have to buy because they don't even know that that part is an option, but they know they have a problem. And that's, that's to, you know, from the, the digital space, Everyone that has any sort of a challenge, their search inquiries always start with that root challenge that they are experiencing, not the solution mm-hmm. to solve the problem. Yeah, you have to understand answering. Yeah, yeah, Sorry, you have to. Yeah, I was gonna say you have to make sure that you understand that entire kind of customer journey, but in the digital space. And what is okay? I understand. I've got this problem. I've got a couple options based on different articles or videos that I'm seeing, or maybe my social network is providing some insights, you know, and and there's Mm -hmm. a lot of different ways to gather that information. And um, that's, that's where I think there's a lot of assumptions that, well, if I start on LinkedIn, I should just get a bunch of business right away, but no, it doesn't, (laughs) it doesn't Mm -hmm. work that way either. Yeah. (laughs) And it's making easy. I was, what I was going to say is making ease, making it easy for your customers to find you and knowing what are those first questions that they're asking at the start of the customer journey and developing content that answers those questions. Mm -hmm. Because ultimately what you're selling is a product or a product design process. If you're in manufacturing, like there's a lot of things that you're selling that aren't that knowledge, but by positioning yourself to answer the question and being of service that early, imagine if you can give them a better idea of what it is that they need so they can make a more informed choice. And then they're thinking, wow, this company already gave me a ton of value. I'm not even paying them yet. Imagine if we worked with them. Yep. Exactly. That's so exactly one question it. I have, as you started talking about, and I get this from the industries that, that we work with um, oftentimes, and I'm curious because you are a digital marketing company. So a manufacturing firm, the owners come to you, you may have heard this question. They said, all our kids who are, you know, working in the business part-time tell us that we need to, we need to be on Twitter and we need to be on Instagram. We need to be on all these channels. And I know for my clients, I always say, I'll help you with those channels. Um, or I'll put you in touch with the people that can help you with those channels or put that blog on your website when you start writing content. (laughs) But also (laughs) I think that's one piece of it is they need to know the content needs to exist, but what would your answer be to you need to be on all these channels? I mean, it goes back to the same thing we've been talking about is really understanding that ideal customer um, and, and figuring out where are they spending their time online, not just to find the the solution to whatever their problem is facing, but, you know, where are they getting educated from? What podcasts are they listening to? What thought leaders are they 
following and what channels are they most actively engaged in? Um, Mm -hmm. I I struggle with this one because I'm like, oh, Instagram, super fun and visual. um, But my customers aren't on Instagram to learn about, you know, digital marketing best practices. They're there to look at funny pictures and fluffy doggies. (laughs) So, um, (laughs) so I spend my time on LinkedIn. That's because that's where my customer is. Um, That's not, it's not the funnest channel to be on. Um, you know, my team, my younger staff is like, we should have a TikTok. I'm like, hmm, yeah, it's fun, <laughs> but there's no manufacturing business owner that's spending a lot of time on TikTok right now. Um, maybe mm-hmm. for his personal enrichment, but he's not gonna be interested in in following um our our information there. So it's really just understanding Absolutely. where your customer, your ideal customer is investing their time because you know time is precious and then making sure that and you said it earlier like you need to be swimming in those watering holes basically mm-hmm. yep definitely hopefully there's no crocodiles in those watering holes but that's a whole other tangent <laughs> <laughs> that sure is <laughs> oh all I right mean, we could so- go down the blue ocean strategy route but we don't have time for that today <laughs> so many fun little tangents and puns here. Um, All right. So I know that you've got an offering for our listeners. You want to talk about that? Yeah, absolutely. So what I talked about earlier, um, ultimately um, within that Surefire toolkit, which is we've designed it to help organizations communicate who they are, what they do and the value they deliver better, develop better core messaging. Even right now in the great resignation is if people are asking us, how do we attract top talent? And so many people are looking to your brand, wondering what you stand for, wondering about the differences that you make. And within the Surefire Toolkit is a set of tools that can help you do all these things and more. And so what we've created is um, called the Surefire Audit and Guide. And you can download it on our website at www dot big bold brand.com forward slash surefire audit. And I know that you're going to put that link in the notes. So don't worry if you didn't quite catch it. We will most definitely include that link in our show notes. Carly, any final word or advice to offer our listeners with regards to growing and supporting your network? Uh, Be clear on who you're focusing on make genuine connections and follow up, follow up, follow up to build relationships. I love that. Super easy to understand too. If anyone was interested in getting in contact with you, what's the best way they could reach you? I am also on LinkedIn um, at Carly Cunningham and Carly is spelled K-A-R-L-E-Y. All right. We'll include that information in the show notes as well. Thank you so much for being on the show today. It's an absolute pleasure and so much fun. Absolutely. All right. This wraps up our episode of Social Capital. Huge thank you to Carly for taking the time to connect with us. As mentioned before, let's connect on LinkedIn. Connect with me. Connect with Carly. We're both definitely looking forward to hearing from you. I hope you enjoyed today's show. And most importantly, go reach out and connect with someone. Reconnect with someone from your past or find someone new that you'd like to connect with. That's what it's all about. Go and build those relationships. That's all for this episode of the Social Capital Podcast. Visit socialcapitalpodcast.com for show notes, more episodes, and to see who will be on the show next. 
Thank you for listening, and we'll see you next episode.